0: All right, good morning. Uh, As Pastor Frank just mentioned, uh, my name is Jackson, and uh, I'm really excited to continue this uh, Keep the Change sermon series. Pastor Frank, Uh, uh, approached me about it, and we kind of talked through, and we talked about some topics and things like that, and he said, you know, which one of these is kind of um, near and dear to your heart, which one of these topics that we're going to talk about sticks out to you, and um, this one was something as I read over them as the topics, and I prayed about them, and I was like, this is the one, Um, this is the one today that is kind of me um, in in a nutshell, and it's something that when I chose it, it's because I need the most work at this one as well, Um, So when I started thinking about it and praying about it and and reading uh, scripture about it, I was like, you know what? This is the one that I need the most help with in my life as well. So I want you to understand first and foremost that while I'm up here... Um, talking to you, um, I, I, I'm more or less talking to myself as well. And not only that, I've been talking to myself throughout this whole process of me preparing for this message today. Um, so I want you to know that I put a lot of thought into it, and it's not just about you. Um, it's more, more or less about me than anything. And as I was preparing, one of the big things that that I wanted to do, and one of the biggest things that Kind of stuck out to me was I want to start this 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 message a little differently today. Uh, typically, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm kind of like to get up here and, and, and tell a story and kind of jump in and, you know, things like that. But today I want to do something a little different. Uh, I want to actually start with Scripture today. Uh, it's the very first thing I want to do. That's the first thing I want to start off with, because I think that it gets us in the right mindset, gets us in the right mood to say, hey, we're going to start this message with not a funny story, not an interesting story, not an embarrassing story of something that's happened to me, which there's plenty of those. Um, but I want to start with Scripture because that kind of gets us into where we're, where we're going to be today. And I want to start with Ephesians 4, 1 through 5. Uh, and I know I didn't give you much notice on that. Uh, so if you want to turn there while we read, you can. Uh, but it'll also be up on the screens as well. Um, so Ephesians 4, 1 through 5. And this kind of gives us an idea of the topic and where we're headed today. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a worthy life of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Some of the words that I want to pick out there that I wrote down are completely humble, gentle, patient, being with one another in love, keeping the unity. The bond of peace. What are the things that we're talking about here when we talk about those things? And that's community. It's, it's being one community, right? Being unified, unity. Um, being one in the spirit. He, we said one Lord, one baptism, one calling. Um, being patient with one another in love. The bond of peace. We're talking about community here. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about, hey, how can we get together as people... And follow this message from Ephesians. Well, in order to do that, we have to be together first, right? And that's one of the things that is going to strengthen your change that we've been talking about more than anything else, is getting together with like-minded and other people. So one of the things that I'm going to talk about today, one of the things that I really want to focus on that I think is extremely important, is community. It's fellowship. fellowship. Is how do we as people, um, not even necessarily as believers, um, that's kind of the the that's kind of sort of the backstory for where we're starting today. That's kind of the basis of it. Is how do we as believers gather together in fellowship and community, and how do we interact with one another? But also, it's not just the fellowship with other believers; it's the fellowship with with even with people who aren't necessarily believers. That's okay too. Um, And we're going to talk about that today because I think that's one of the biggest things that we can do to keep that change in our lives that we've been talking about, um, that Pastor Frank's been talking about these last few weeks, is when you give your life to Christ and there's that radical moment that happens in that change in your life, when you say, yes, God, I'm yours and I've changed, well, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, how do we ensure that we still have that change that happened 10 or 15 years ago? Um, and these, that's kind of the whole basis of this sermon series is how can I continue my walk and continue to make it grow in something that it's not just like a change that happened one time and then that was it, right? It's something that we keep going all the way through our lives. And that the biggest one that I think is fellowship, um, so today I want to focus on, on community and, and what that looks like and how we can fellowship together. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, all right, as, again, as I was preparing for this, uh, this is something that I needed myself and, you know, I kind of hurt my own feelings a little bit as I was going through this. And um, the only way this is going to work, the only way that this is going to work for you today, and the only way that you're going to get something out of this today is if we're going to be a hot church today, all right? And here's what I mean by that. H-O-T, hot. We got to be humble. We've got to be open, and we've got to be transparent today. That's the only way this is going to work. Um, and We've got to be humble, all right? We've got to be humbled to what I'm about to tell you, and we have to be humbled to realize, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to step on any to- anybody's toes here. I'm not trying to offend anybody. All I'm trying to do is help us grow. And sometimes it takes us being humbled a little bit to say, ooh, you know what? Ouch, that hurt. That's me, right? And if we don't come with that idea of humility before we sit down, and before I start speaking, nothing's going to work, all right? got to be open. We've got to be open and receptive to the message that God has for you today because I really think he has something for everybody in this room. Uh, like I said, this is something that I've needed the most help with. And as I've had to be kind of cut open here to realize what God wanted to say to me, I had to be open and receptive to it. So if he's trying to speak to you today, you've got to be open. And then T is for transparency, all right? We've got to be transparent today as well. Um, We've got to be willing when I say something or when I say, how many of you are thinking about this? Or how many of you have this? Or how many of you are this person, right? You've got to be transparent enough with yourself to say, ooh, yeah, that's me. Ouch, that one hurts, right? You have to be transparent with yourself and the people around you. So the only way we're going to get anything out of today is if we're going to be a hot church today, all right? So hopefully we can do that, um, and I think, again, if we can do that, we'll get something from it. So I want to start with the word community. Um, if you're taking notes, you may want to write that down, community, and I'll give you the definition, um, so you can write it down as well. We'll, uh, we'll have a vocabulary test later. Um, so community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes interests, and goals. If you're writing it down, I'll say one more time. Although you can just Google it, that's what I did. Community, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So let's break that down a little further, all right? Let's just kind of start with the very beginning. A feeling of fellowship with others. Here's what that tells you from the very beginning. You can't do fellowship by yourself. You can't do fellowship alone. And for some of you people who like to be alone all the time and you're a loner, and we'll get to you in a minute, which that's also me as well, you can't do fellowship by yourself, all right? It it says right there, a community is a feeling of fellowship with others, not with yourself, right? You've got to be willing to meet with other people. As hard as that is for some of you, it is extremely difficult for me, right? Um, So, but I'll address you later. Um, But we have to be willing to not be a loner and go out and be with other people and share with other people sharing by the way brings me to the next part it says um, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing that's a tough word for a lot of people right sharing that kind of goes against every single thing in our human nature as humans in in our nature and ourselves we're selfish right we don't like to share think about um your children, if you have any, when they were younger, or even if you've just watched babies in any kind of setting, they're selfish, right? They want their toy, and then they want everybody else's toy in the room, too. They don't like to share it with people. Um, uh, they, they just, that, that's, what, that's their human nature. You have to be taught how to share. Most children are not good at sharing. They don't understand it, because our human nature is to say, nope, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, and everybody else's is mine, too, right? I don't want to share with anybody. That's our human nature, is to not share selfish. But in order for fellowship and community to work, you've got to be open and willing to share with other people. You've got to be willing to do that. And I think these two things, the, um, the feeling of having to be with somebody and the feeling of having to share, those are really the two things that keep most of us out of fellowship. Because we don't like to do that. It makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't like the idea of being vulnerable enough with other people and sharing our personal feelings, we don't like that idea. So that keeps us away from from a small group or from fellowship or from a community with somebody else. What that inclines us to do is to come in on Sunday mornings, say, hey, have superficial conversations with people, sit down, get what we're supposed to get out of the Sunday morning service, and then leave and go home and then do it all again the next week on Sunday. Because as much as we don't like to be around people, this is okay, because there's no real like conversations happening right here, right? Because you can come in, grab coffee and sit down and leave. And if we continue in this idea of, hey, I'm selfish and I'm lonely and I'm a loner, then we're never gonna get this important piece of fellowship that being in a small group or something like that has. And if that's the case, then we're never gonna grow. That's one of the things that we can use to keep the change to grow. And that keeps us out of a lot of it. We, again, we don't like to be vulnerable, but yet that's what God expects from us. He wants us to be in that sort of small group community to be able to share our testimonies with people, our victories with people, our failures with people. God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to share our experiences along the way to help other people. Because some of the best advice that I've ever gotten or some of the best, um, uh, maybe not advice, but just some of the best experiences that I've ever had are things that have helped me the most in my life. Have been from other people who are experiencing the exact same thing that I am at that time. And the only way I would get help from that person is if they were willing to open themselves up and say, Hey, I've been there. Hey, I know exactly what you're going through. I was either there five years ago, five minutes ago, or you know what? I'm still there right now. Hey, let's figure this out together. We're not supposed to do life alone, and we're not supposed to do Christianity alone either. That's not how it works. You're better in a group. You're better with other people who can help you walk through things. And that's what God expects from us. Um, He expects us to be able to fellowship together and do those types of things. And it creates this culture of spiritual healthiness. Because if we're all in a small group and we're all talking about the things that are painful to us and the, the things that we're failing at on a weekly basis, but yet we also have people who are telling about the great victories that we've achieved. When we come together on Sunday mornings, think about how healthy we would be. Because we're not here just pretending to be people that we're not. Everybody knows what you're going through, and people are here to pray for you and lift you up. People can't pray for you if you don't tell them what's going on. You can pray for yourself, and that's good, and you should do that. But there's power in prayer. There's power in other people lifting you up, but they can't do that if you're not willing to be a little bit vulnerable and share what's going on in your life, no matter how painful it is. Community and sharing and being together is huge. Now, the second part of that definition talks about what we're supposed to share, right? Um, Sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, here's the deal whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or you've been a Christian for 15 years or 25, 30, 45 years, whatever it is, our attitudes, interests, and goals should be the exact same. They should be, you know, christ-like we should be kingdom-minded and the ultimate goal should be to go to heaven right like that should be everybody's common attitudes interests, and goals that's just what they should be so here is where it gets a little um here's where it gets a little uncomfortable right just be honest think about the people that you hang around with and you associate with on a daily basis do those people really share those common attitudes interests, and goals as you a question that you have to answer for yourself. That's a question I had to answer for myself. And I wrestled with it because some of the people that I hung out with the most, some of the people that I called my best friends, we didn't really have that much in common at that point, right? Um, we didn't share those common attitudes, interests, and goals. And here's where it gets even more unpopular with people, right? Um, because you may be sitting here saying, yeah, Jackson, that's great, but you know he's my boy, like he like he's been there. Um, she's my girl. She's helped me, right? Like they've been there forever, and I get that, and I understand that. But I didn't ask you that. What I asked you is, what are they doing for you right now? That's great that they helped you ten or fifteen years ago, but you're a different person now, right? Um, you've changed. You want to keep that change that you had, right? And if you want to keep that change, what are those people doing for you right now? You have to grow. See, a lot of us, we expect to be this big spiritual successful, we we want to grow into be this big mighty tree, right? But yet we're still growing and we're still trying to grow in garbage because we won't get rid of our old life. We've had that change and we expect to see great successes, yet we won't change the people that we've been hanging out with. We made a change in our life and that's great, but we haven't fixed the rest of our life yet. So we're basically a tree growing in soil that's not healthy for us. Our root system is non-existent. We can't expect to grow if we're still doing the exact same things we did before the change, right? This this whole sermon series is about keeping that change that we've had, but we can't keep it if we're not willing to change everything. You can change your mindset and belief and you can say, yeah, God, my heart's changed. Okay, but have you changed everything else around that? And if not, maybe that's why you haven't seen the spiritual growth that you've been hoping for. Maybe you became a Christian 10 years ago, but you're still hanging out with the same people you did 15 years ago before you got saved, right? What do you expect to happen? What do you expect to happen at that point? To keep the change means everything. You've got to change everything. And the people that you hang around with are extremely important. So again, I want to ask you, Take a look and just think about for a minute your seven closest friends, right? Some of you are like, whoa, seven? Who's that guy, right? I have one. Um, That's okay, either one. But just your closest friends, you know, two, three if you have them, whatever. Think of your closest friends. And then I want you to think about which of those people are making you better? Which one of those people are making you better? Which one of those people are helping you grow Maybe spiritually, maybe just in life, right? It doesn't even have to be spiritual. It doesn't even have to be spiritually. It just could be who's helping you become a better person. And then let's get to the people like me who don't even really like to be around people all that much, right? Um, And you and I are what I effectively like to call the hermit Right, we like to get out of our shell just a little bit enough to get what we need, and then we like withdraw right in our shell again. And then we say, "No, it's safe in here. Nobody can hurt me because I'm in here by myself." Right, and I enjoy the company of my aloneness. Right, that's totally me. Um, that's always been me. I am from the very beginning. I am um, a loner, and I've been okay with that. Um, it's served me well so far, I guess. Um, but can I be honest with you? As I've been praying and thinking and looking at the scriptures. That's not how God wants us to do Christianity. That's not what God calls us to do in ministry with other people. You're not going to grow by yourself. You're you're not going to do it. Um, And as as much as that hurts and as uncomfortable as that is for you and for me especially, look, I'm not a people person. Um, it, it's really difficult for me to, to get and have a one-on-one conversation with people, right? Like, that is so totally far out of my comfort zone, it's ridiculous, which is crazy because I can get up here and talk to a bunch of people at one time, but like, I, I don't know, maybe I just have this fear or something. I don't know what it is, but it is very, very difficult for me to have intimate, small, like, in-depth conversations with people one-on-one or like in a small group setting. It's just difficult. I don't know why. It's just who I am. But that's where I have grown the most. Um, I was, Pastor Frank asked me a couple, I guess it was maybe two years ago now. He said, hey, man, I really think you need to lead a small group. And I was like, oh, I don't want to. Can't do it. Nope, not me. He's like, yeah, but, you know, you get up here and, you know, I'm like, it's different. I don't know what it is, but it's different. Um, I can be up here all I want to. But, you know, sitting around in like a circle on couches and chairs with people and like having to look at somebody and have them talk and me, like, I just, I can't do it. I can't can't do it, Pastor Frank. I'm so sorry. He pushed, and he pushed, and eventually I said, okay. Um, And I did it, and it's been a learning process for me. Um, And it's been difficult for me because it's so far out of my comfort zone. But I'll tell you what, I've grown so much doing it because I realized how much I was missing. I realized how much, hey, I can read a set of verses myself at my house, um, and I can get my perspective on it. But when you're in a small group and you're meeting with other people, you get three, four, five, maybe six different perspectives that you never thought of. They see things differently, and that's why they're there. And not only that, they can pray for you. You can share, again, your failures, your victories, and things like that, and it makes you feel good, right? It makes you feel better about yourself. Being a hermit is not healthy for your growth. But neither are people on the opposite end of that spectrum, right? There are people, um, and this maybe you're saying, you know what, Jackson, I'm not a hermit. I love people. Okay, well, do you like being around people? Do you like the idea of people, right? Because there are a lot of people who have no depth of relationship, but yet they'll have 20 or 30 friends around them at all times. But there's no real substance to those relationships, right? They just like to have people around. They're social, and that's fine too. But let me tell you something else. That's not going to help you grow either because there's no real conversation happening there there's no real um stuff going on there's no real sort of feelings or or prayers or anything like that happening they're just there because you like people they're not there because they want to help you grow or they're not there helping you grow because there's no depth of relationship there and then there's this third group of people which we've kind of already addressed and this third group of people you say you know what I get that, and I have relationships. I have a community. I have fellowship with people, you know? And it goes back to those people who said, you know what? They've been there for me since day one. I've known them 10 or 15 years. Again, they're my boy. They're my girl. They're my dude. That's my guy, right? But what are they doing for you now? Because, see, a lot of us, we would rather be loyal than grow, A lot of us would rather be loyal to people that we've had forever than to help ourselves grow in spirituality. So instead, what we do because we want to be loyal is we want to stay over here and end up not growing and maybe even getting dragged down even worse than we already were. Because that's my guy. Because he helped me win. And she's been there since. And I'm not telling you to cut those people out of your life. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, Those relationships have a place. But what I am telling you is that can't be your primary association if you want to keep that change that's happened in your life. It just, it can't be. One of the hardest things that I've had to do this past year is I've had some friends who I've known for a long time, who I was really good friends with, uh, people that I, room, that I roomed with, that I was roommates with, that I lived with. I had to kind of slowly take a few steps back from them this year because I realized you know what? I'm a tree trying to grow in trash, in soil that's not good for me. And I've had to kind of cut them off a little bit. Now, I'm not saying I don't hang out with them or don't associate with them, because I do, but I'm not hanging out with them every weekend. I'm not going out with them all the time. I'm finding new friends that I can actually have a real community and relationship with. They're actually going to help and benefit and grow me. And and I'm not going to lie, it's tough. It was tough to do that. Because those were the people who were there for me when I had issues, right? Like, those are the people that were there for me when I was going through a lot of, like, a lot of junk 10, 15 years ago. Those were the, 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 the guys who were there. And now here I am having to say, I appreciate that, but I, I just, I can't, you know? I, I can't be there with you and doing what you do anymore. It's not good for me. I'm not growing. And... I need you to take stock of that in your life as well. Whatever kind of those three groups of people that you are, none of those three are good for keeping the change in your life. And whichever, here's the transparent part, right? Whichever one of those three categories you fall into, you need to be transparent with yourself enough to say, that's me. And you need to be open and humble enough to say, that's me, God. All right, please tell me, what do I need to do with the category that I fall into, and my goal today, in just the the couple minutes that I have left, is um, I want to show you the importance of community, the importance of fellowship, um, and there's kind of two points here that, that I want to throw out to you um, to kind of explain biblically the importance of a small group. Right? When we talk about small group, that's where fellowship happens. Um, and and when I say small group, I'm not talking like um, Like, just a small group that we meet at church. Yes, we have small groups, by the way. You should join one. We have a few. Um, You should do that. Uh, But also, I'm talking just like small groups where you you and a couple people go out and hang out and eat dinner, go to lunch, have coffee, I don't know, play golf or something, whatever it is that you do. Those are small groups, and you need those types of things, right? So what I want to do is I just kind of want to point out biblically the importance of those. So the first things first is, the first point, small group fellowship is the biblical model for a healthy church. Small group fellowship is the biblical model for a healthy church. This is the fastest and best way for churches to grow, and it's the biblical model for a healthy church. Now, don't make sure you hear this. I didn't say small groups were the biblical model for a growing church, right? I didn't say grow, I said healthy. I said healthy because here's the deal as a church, we shouldn't necessarily be focusing on growth. Don't get me wrong. Growth is great, and we need growth because we can't minister to empty chairs, right? Like that's, you can't do it. We need growth. But at the same time, as a church, you need to be focusing on the health of your church and the healthy part because healthy things grow. Think about a plant, right? If you plant a plant somewhere, and you Make sure that it's in the right soil. You make sure it has enough sunlight. You make sure it's in the right climate. You make sure it has enough water. You're taking care of the things that that plant needs to be healthy and all of a sudden it grows. You're not sitting there telling the plant, hey, grow, grow, grow. Come on now, come on. You're not doing that. You're not focusing on the growth of that plant. You're focusing on its health and then it just naturally grows because that's what healthy things do is they grow. Babies are the same way. When you have a baby, you're not sitting there just staring at your baby telling it, Today's the day you're gonna grow. It doesn't happen. But what you do is you focus on giving it the food and, and, and nu- nutrients that it needs. You focus on giving it a healthy home life and a healthy climate and doing all of those things that babies, that you have for babies, then all of a sudden you turn around and look up and they've grown like this much, right? Because healthy things grow because that's great if you know we could go out and we could do things to make this church grow sure we could offer free food every sunday and there would be 300 people here but that's not a healthy church because we don't have any depth of relationships that's why small groups are huge people wonder why their churches aren't growing it's because their believers aren't healthy And the people in their church aren't healthy because they're not meeting in small group people together. It's a process. The second you start meeting in fellowship with other people, you start to grow in your faith. And then what that does is that causes you to go out and tell everybody about it. And what that does is bring people in. Then the church grows. It's a process. As a church, you should not focus on growth. You should focus on becoming healthy. That's why small groups are so important. That's why fellowshipping with one another is important. The only way that we can be healthy is through community. It reminds me of a story in Exodus 18, and I don't want to read the whole story to you. Um, it's a whole chapter. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to summarize it for you. Uh, I would suggest you maybe write that passage down and then go read it later for yourself. It's Exodus 18. But basically what happens here is it's Moses, and he's in charge of the two million Israelites that he pulled out Of Egypt, out of slavery and into the promised land of Israel. So he's got these two million Israelites. He's like the pastor over his community, which is two million people, right? And basically what the Bible says is that he wakes up stupid early in the morning and goes to bed ridiculously late at night because he is the only person who is the counselor, the mentor, the judge for all two million of these people. So all two million of these Israelites basically line up every day. They take a number, right? Like you're at the DMV and you have, you know, all these big numbers that takes forever. And then Moses calls out the number when he's ready and he comes and he's the judge and the counselor, the mentor. You tell him whatever you need and he does whatever he can, right? He's the pastor, that's his job. Well, his father-in-law, Jethro, which I think is an awesome name for a father-in-law, by the way. Uh, Jethro is a pretty good name. Um, So Jethro comes and he says, Moses, dog, what you doing? You are going about this all wrong. You got 2 million people lined up from here to like the Red Sea over there where you just came from, and you're trying to solve all these people's needs. You're only one man. You can't can't minister and pastor to all 2 million of these people. It's just not possible. So what Jethro does is he said, Moses, I got an idea. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take your top, I don't know, 10, 15 people, And you're going to put them in charge of a small group of those 2 million people. So that way, whenever those 2 million people need something, they're not coming to you. They're going to their leader. They're going to their small group leader. They're going to the people, the person who's in charge of their little group of people. Because Moses, you can't keep doing all this, dude. You're about to die. Not only that, think about how long it takes for 2 million people to have their voices heard. By the time, if you're number 2 million in line, by the time you get to Moses, you're probably one year to death. And at that point, what's the the point, right? He says, Moses, not only is what you're doing wrong for you, but it's wrong for your community. It's wrong for your people. Because you shouldn't have to wait in front of 2 million people to have to talk about your issues, to have to talk about your problems, to have to ask questions, to have your voice heard. That's why small groups, especially at a church, are so important. Look, as good as of a people person as Pastor Frank is, he cannot... The minister personally to all 120 of us on a weekly basis. He just can't do it. Frank can do a lot of things. I don't think he can do that. That's why we have small group leaders. Because if you have a problem in the middle of the week and Pastor Frank is busy doing all the other stuff that he does during the week, that's what your small group leader is there for, is to say, hey, let me pray for you. Hey, let's meet, let's talk. Pastor Frank can't be there all the time. He wants to be, but he can't be. That's why small groups are so important, because it has your voice heard. It's making sure that all your needs are met. Moses couldn't meet all the needs of his two million Israelites until he came up with the small group idea. Well, Jethro came up with the small group idea. That's the biblical model for how church should happen. Because on a weekly basis, all of us should be able to get our weekly met's need if we're part of a small group. Because we have people there who care about us. We have people there who will listen to us. We have people there who can help us through things. That's why small group fellowship and community is so dang important. To have people who are there for you and care about you. Because you've all been to a church probably, or if this is the first church you've been to, You've been to a church, I know I have, where you come to church and the people on stage, the pastor, the worship team, whatever, they don't know who you are. They don't know your name. They don't even know what you look like. And what that allows for you to do is slip into church and slip out with having any meaningful connections with people, conversations with people. That's not healthy. You need people who know who you are that when you come into church, they meet with you and say, Hey, how are you doing this week? Hey, how's your week been? Hey, remember what you told me last week? Yeah, how's that going? Right, getting personal with people—that's the only way that a church can be healthy—is to grow. The second reason why small groups are so important—and we're going to be in Acts five forty-two for this one—the church, the church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. We've got to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Again, this is a biblical model in Acts 5.42. This is the first church, right? This is uh, what the first church in the Bible did. Um, So it says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Day after day, they met in temple courts and from house to house. Now, I'll give you a little historical background because, you know, I'm a social studies teacher and that's what I do. Temple courts at this time were the time or were the place where everybody would go to gather. It was like a big courtyard. Um, there was this big, like, outdoor area. I'm sure there was a nice little fountain with a statue. You know, that's what I can just picture it as. People would eat there. People would hang out there. People would gather there, all right? This first church would have big worship experiences in the temple courts for everybody to hear, They would have these large group, like, big worship services. And then after that, they would go back in their houses, and they would meet together and have meetings in their house to house. They would separate. They're growing larger and smaller at the same time. That's what the model is for our church. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great that we come here on Sunday mornings. Um, That's awesome. The big worship experiences is great, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, but it's not until you get plugged in with a small group and go house to house that you really start to get something from church. Pastor Frank and I can only do so much from the stage up here. We can only go so in depth. We only have a limited time window for us to be able to minister. And here you may be sitting here saying, You know what? I have questions, but I can't ask because we're having to stack chairs and we're having to leave. And then I'm going to lunch and I'm just bothered by this question that I have. That's what small groups are for. So you can go and say, Hey, um, can we talk about something that Jackson said this morning? Can we talk about that? Because I'm confused. That's where you grow, that's where you learn. Again, it's great that you come here Sunday mornings. It's great that you get pumped up and sing songs. It's great that you come and, and get coffee and, and, and feel like a group in a community. And that's great. And it's great that you come and, you know, take pictures and put them on social media. And if you do, tag us, by the way, please. Um, but it's great that we do that. But then what happens when that's all that we do is you leave. And then you don't think about it again until Saturday night when you're like, uh, do I want to wake up tomorrow and go to church? And that's it. One of the things that's really convicted me as what we should be doing as a church over this past summer, um, there's 168 hours in a week, 168 hours in a week. We're here on Sunday mornings, one hour-ish, give or take, Um, one hour on a week on Sundays. That's 167 hours throughout the rest of the week that we're not doing anything related to Christianity, right? Related to God. If we're not in a small group, if we're not, you know, doing other things outside of this one one hour service on a Sunday. And as a church, I feel like we need to do something to help you engage in those one hundred and sixty seven hours. One of the big things that I've heard and one of the big things that I've been telling Pastor Frank is, look, as a church, we need to figure out what we can do to seize the one sixty seven, the hundred and sixty seven hours that you guys aren't here. Whether that's creating more small groups, whether that's doing events, whether that's posting on social media for you guys to say, oh, hey, that's right. Or, hey, that's that's an encouraging word, right? That's what small groups are for, is to get you thinking about the stuff other than what it looks like on Sunday morning. Is seizing that 167. And now I say that, but, uh, I mean, look, we got to get bigger on Sunday mornings too, right? Like, they were in temple courts, we gotta get bigger on Sunday mornings. And again, I know it's not all about growth, and I know it's all about numbers, but it kind of is. Again, there's empty chairs out here. We can't minister to empty chairs. If you're sitting next to an empty chair, you can't minister to that empty chair. You could, but people might think you're a little crazy. Um, you have to have people in these chairs. And it's great that you know we can do all of this stuff, but at the end of the day, we've got to grow our larger and smaller as well. We've got to grow Sunday mornings. That's why, you know, I wear the things that I wear. That's why we play the music that we play. That's why we offer coffee. That's why we um, do the things that we do because we're trying to attract lost people. That's the whole point is attracting lost people to what we offer so we can minister to them when they get here. But then the problem sometimes becomes we have people, and I've been in many churches where this has happened, not necessarily this church, but just from my general experiences that happen is we say, why is Jackson wearing that? Why are we playing this kind of music? I I haven't heard this on Christian radio. What is this? Um, Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Man, it's because we're not trying to attract you. You're already here. We're trying to attract the lost people so that way when they get here, you can do your job and minister to them. What would our church look like if the seat that you're sitting in is not there for you to just sit casually and observe? It's for you to minister to the people next to you. We have got to stop just coming to church and sitting here and observing and watching the show. That's not our job. We need to start charging admission if we're going to do that. When you're here, your job is to minister to people. How healthy would our church be if that happened? Because what happens is you come and you complain about all the stuff that happened, and then you leave and go to lunch. You're like, well, I didn't get anything from that. Or, here is the biblical model that it's supposed to happen. As you come to church, you minister to people, and you say, oh, you know what, maybe um, I've heard that sermon before because Pastor Frank is trying to preach to all the lost people that were here. So I kind of know that story. And that's fine, and that's great. And then you leave, and you don't get anything out of it. But here's what happens. You go to your small group sometime that week, and that's where you grow. Most of us who have been in church for a long time are not going to grow on Sunday mornings, Where we're going to grow is in our small group fellowship where we can dig in and engage with people. That's the biblical basis for what fellowship is all about, is the healthy spiritual growth. And we're not doing that. We need to do a better job of that. I looked at the numbers, or I think I looked at the numbers. I don't know what I looked at. But something said, um, or just kind of what I estimated, right, about 30% of our church is involved in a small group. About 30%. Maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, depending on the week. Yo, we have got to get plugged in. We've got to. That's the only way we can have spiritual growth and healthiness. We're not going to grow if we're not in a small group. We got some work to do, and that's okay. We're going to do it together as a church. But that's the easiest way for you to keep that change, is being involved in a small group together. Now, I'm kind of, as I wrap up here, I want to leave you with kind of three reasons that's important that why you should be in a small group all right three reasons here we go the first one is small groups are biblical it's a pretty easy one right small groups are biblical think about it trivia question what's the first thing jesus did after he got baptized was about to start his ministry he got a small group he came up out the water and he started walking he said hey fisherman yo i need some accountability come here he said oh you're a tax collector sweet come with me let's walk he said yo peter i know you're a failure at everything but that's okay come on we'll walk together He started a small group. Jesus knew he needed that accountability. He knew that he needed those people around him, even though he's Jesus, to bounce ideas off of and to pick him up when he's having a bad day. And, you know, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade at anybody or anything out here, but if the Son of God thought it was a priority, you might want to make it a priority too. Just saying. Reason number two. Small groups are personal. Small groups are where people know your name. Small groups are where people get to know your family. Small groups are where people get to know your inside struggles and what you struggle with the most. And that's huge for people to be able to see inside you and say, I know that person. You may know my name, and that's great, but I know who you are. I know a lot of your names out there, but I don't know you personally. Personally. And that's where we really connect with people. Because there's just something about sitting on people's couches together. You know, even if you're just like um, our small group, we like to, before we really like dig in or anything, we just like to sit and eat and then watch whatever our football game's on, right? Like we like, and, and that's fellowshipping, that's community. That's what a small group is about. It's about being together and just sitting with one another and talking and getting to know people. It's personal. That's where you're going to grow because people come to a church to hear the pastor or to hear the music, but they stay at a church for the relationships that they build. That's a statistic or a study done somewhere that people are more likely to stay after so many services or after so many times if they've built so many relationships and connections with other people. What may have drawn you here is our worship or Pastor Frank or me, but the reason why you stay is not because of us and not because of the worship band, as great a job as they do. It's because of relationships you build with the people sitting next to you. And the easiest way to do that is in a small group. And then the last thing that we just kind of talked about, uh, small groups are where you get healthy. Again, Pastor Frank and I get up here, and we're very limited to what we can do. Small groups aren't. There's no limits there. You can do whatever you want as a small group. Um, You know, as a small group, as I am a small group leader, we sat down and talked about together. We said, okay, what do we want to do next? We talked about it. Whatever's going to help us grow, right? That's what it's about. Small groups are where you get healthy. And again, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And then in turn, because we're growing, our church is going to explode. But it all starts with you. And it all starts with, hey, where are you at right now? In the whole keeping this change idea, are you still here? where you changed? Maybe you're even back a little bit from where you changed. If we're going to grow together, we, we've got to be on this journey somewhere. And this whole sermon series is about that. And fellowship, I believe, is one of the most important parts. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, Jackson, th- that, that, that's cool. Um, I want to be a part of a small group, but I don't even know, you know, this whole Jesus thing. I don't, I don't even know. And that's great. I'm so glad you're here because we can take care of that. The best decision you will ever make is that change in your life to say, God, I need you. God, I need you to come in and change my life. I took, you know, this you're maybe sitting there saying, I took stock of all the people around me. They're not good for me. And I know that. I know those three, four, five people that I'm hanging out with aren't good for me. I want to change. And that's great because that's the whole reason you're here. And maybe some of you are saying, you know, Jackson, I've changed. Um, I had that change 10 years ago, but I haven't really kept it, right? I've, I've kind of, Gone away from that, and and again, Pastor Frank mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You can't like lose that salvation, right? That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, you, you can't lose salvation, but what you can do is lose that fire and that passion that you had when you first got changed. It reminds me of like when I was younger and I would go to like Christian camps or whatever over the summer. Like I would come back like on fire, and I'd be like, Yeah, God, yeah, Jesus. And then about a week later, I'm like, Ah, eh, you know, I lost that change that happened. I lost that passion and fire. And this is the same thing. We have to figure out a way to keep it. And I think that all starts with the people that you associate with. So what I would encourage you to do, again, take stock of those people around you, who you associate with, and y'all please get a part of a small group. I'm not just saying that because I'm up here and I want our small group numbers to grow, right? That's not why I'm up, that's not why I'm up here preaching that. I'm up here telling you that because I honestly and truly believe it will be one of the best changes that you can make for your life is to get a part of an accountability group who actually can say that they care and know who you are in your family. And if you're saying you don't have time, I get it. You need to find a way to carve out like an hour of your time of a week. You've got to. It's huge. It's huge. We have enough small groups where it's flexible, right? We we have a lot of different times and meeting locations where you can meet that hopefully fits your schedule the best, but please do that. I'm really encouraging you to do that again, not because I have to say that because I'm on staff here, but I'm saying that because as I've prepared this and as I've been praying, I truly believe that that's the best way to go is to be a part of a small group. So what I want to do is I want to pray really quickly, um, And as we do that, again, take stock of your life. Which of those three people that we talked about are you? Are you the one who's the hermit? Are you the one who has no depth of relationships? Are you the one who's the loyal to a fault, right? Take stock of that while we pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this day that you've given us and this ability to be able to gather in in a community and in a fellowship, God. It's huge. It's huge. God, I just want to thank you for the biblical model that you've laid out about how we should do life together and how we should do life as a church, God. Our goal is to be kingdom-minded and 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 Christ-like, but God, we can't do that if we're not growing. God, please remove all of the trash that we're trying to grow in. Please remove all of the non-fertile soil that we're trying to grow in, God. We want to be great and mighty, successful, growing, healthy trees for you. But God, we can't do that if we don't know how to keep that change that you started in us. And if there's somebody here who's maybe never had that change, and you're saying, Jackson, I want to be a part of what's going on. I want to be a part, maybe not just of Lake Point, but be a part of this kingdom-minded community, this Christ-like community that you're talking to me about. I've got to be a part of that. And if that's you, then it's really simple. All you do is say something like this. God... Please forgive me my sins. I'm a sinner. I invite you into my heart and I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you are my savior. And God, come into my life and change me. And God, help me keep that change for you because I want to live my life for you and only you. God, I want to have a relationship with you. And if you just said that prayer with me, I want you to find somebody after the service, whether it's Pastor Frank, whether it's me, whether it's somebody sitting next to you, I don't care who it is, I want you to find somebody and tell them, hey, I just prayed that prayer and I want to be a part of what God's doing in, in this community. And maybe if you're somebody who, who has already had that change, but you're not part of a small group or you're not as plugged in as you want to be and you, and you realize, hey, you know what? I'm not growing and it's because I don't have that community and I don't have that fellowship. If that's you, I pray I pray that you would seek God and say, God, what do you want me to do? And be open to when he says, I want you to be a part of a small group. It's huge. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your glory. And thank you for everything that you are, everything that you do, and everything that you're gonna do. God, we love you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.